Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, Craig! Hey, Jeff. Hello. Here we are again. Man, I can get used to this winning stuff. Well, I know I'm very used to WSU beating the Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> that is that is true. That that is very true. I we're you definitely. Know, I was used a much. I was I was in my late twenties the last time WSU lost to the Oregon State Beavers in football, and uh, <laughs> it's fun. To have a it, long winning streak. As we said during the preview, it's fun to have that. And they continued it. So yeah. we get at least another year of being, hey, Beeves, you're still yeah. just second class to us. I know. It's like, can you imagine how maddening this is for them? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of, I, I mean, I guess, I guess yes. the comparison is, I, how, is, is how nuts Cal makes us. But we at least beat Cal... You know, every once in a while. I like, know, but we, yeah, like... WSU lost to Oregon for eight years in a row. However many years the Apple Cup is now. Yeah, but like, <laughs> okay, so that is true. But also, like, I look at that a little differently because those are programs as much as, you know, people people hate to say these things. Like, those are programs that are on a little different level than we are, you know? Yeah, I mean, and but, so, but WSU is been on a different level than Oregon State during that time like Oregon State's yes. best season yes is like a two and three season last year or whatever you know yes that's absolutely true but when I think of like when I talk about different level I'm talking like program resources you know like like just the who we're recruiting against that kind of stuff and right. like Oregon State Cal Arizona Utah for the most part you know those those are the schools we're recruiting against inside of our own conference right so when you know, when we play Cal, that's part of what drives us nuts about Cal, right? Is like this is a team that, you know, is is on our, you know, for lack of a better term, on our tier, right? And you know, when you when you lose to them on the bullshit, like it feels like it's so frustrating, right? But I mean, we beat them in 2018, we beat them this year, we beat them in 2013. Like it's not it's not like it was that crazy or long of a 
of a streak, but, but like Oregon state, like I'm sure, I'm sure that they look at us as equals and, you know, program wise, athletic department wise, or, or maybe they might even, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm obviously not a beef, you know, they might even look at it as if they are a step above us. Right. Cause they are, I mean, their stadium's bigger. They, they do have, you know, a bigger donor base than we do. Uh, you know, that, you know, maybe they, maybe they just not a bigger their donor base, us. but, but, more well, money from the yeah, more base. money. I guess that's what I'm going for. You know, so I don't know. Maybe they look down their nose at us and it really drives them crazy that they can't beat us. I, I, I honestly don't know, but whatever it is, I feel great. I mean, the last time they beat us, um, a lot of their fans, frankly, were assholes at the game. And so it feels good to beat them uh, eight times in a row. I think it's great. Yes. And yeah, they are there. Like we said in the in the preview they are the closest thing to us and i mean honestly it should be a rivalry and it's kind of weird that it's not and and i'm sure there's some hate fermenting on their side because it's taken so long and this was but they were on their highest of highs they beat us they're going to be in the top 25 they beat us you know they're they're taking control of the the division you know yep. they're they're three and oh and and but now they're pulled back to the pack you know they're four and two they're two and one in the league still technically on top but you know they know they're vulnerable now and and that same boogeyman beat them again the one that prevented them from going to a bowl two years ago and uh, in heartbreaking fashion so you know i hope that maybe there's a little hate from them you know it's it's cool to have wsu hated um but but speaking of things that people hate, this is podcast versus everyone. Uh, episode one thirty eight. That was expert. I love it. My episode one thirty eight. My name is Craig Powers, the expert, and with oh. me as always is the novice Jeff Newser. Uh, That's right. That's so, absolutely true. So yeah. Uh, wow. You know uh, what? A game that is just almost tough to wrap your head around given everything that had happened up until that second half started the the barrage in the the second half was just totally unexpected and i was driving to a to a wedding for most of it um it just how quickly that second half went uh in the like hour and 10 minute drive there was there was right as i got out of the car WSU scored the the touchdown to take the lead with about six minutes left, and so and I had gotten in the car, um, just as Oregon State was having their initial drive, just because both teams were moving the ball and the clock was running, and WSU scored four touchdowns on all four of their real possessions in the second half, and like we said, it was going to be low possession game, and it was, and. You know, it really helps, Jeff, to win a game when you score on every single possession. <laughs> that was it was funny. Like I when I went to write the recap. Um, so my my experience watching the game was was like this. So first half, I was kind of kind of watching, mostly watching. Um, I was at a cross country meet at St. Martin's University where uh, where my oldest son Joshua was running his first 5k. So I was kind of and actually that meets uh, if anybody's ever actually been to one of these meets like a lot of times it's uh it is tough to uh see 
most of the course, most of the time. Like you just kind of watch them start and then you uh, go stand at the finish line and just cheer for them. This one, you could actually kind of walk around and see part of the course. So like where I thought I was going to be just like watching the entire game for, you know, 25 minutes while my kid ran the course, I actually ended up like walking around. So like I didn't watch the first half all that closely. Um, it's kind of, kind of had one eye on it. I knew it was bad. I saw Dolores interception at the end of the half. I knew you know, that was, that was maybe the worst interception I've ever seen. Um, and then the second half I was able to, I got home, I was able to sit down and watch the second half. And as I'm, I'm writing the recap, like I, I kind of stopped and I went like, you know, did they score on all of their possessions in the second half? And then like I opened up the stat broadcast and I'm like, they did my god that's amazing you know it's like i was like wow that's really good that's really really good considering um you know it just everything you know we've we've dealt with this year with them um pretty remarkable man pretty 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 remarkable and a hell of a lot of fun to watch yeah hell of a lot of fun to listen to you know i got a nice chunk of uh of chas now and brink uh, doing a pretty good job, honestly. I, th- I think that Brink does a, a solid job. Yeah. Um, he really does a good job explaining uh, what the defense was doing. Uh, you know, even even when a play is made, you know, was the right guy in the right place? All this stuff uh, in such in these short, you know, fifteen second windows he has, he does a really good job. So I was impressed with that. That's the longest I've listened to him uh, so far. So um, cheers to that. Um, but yeah, and I, you know, I've rewatched the highlights and stuff, but it was just impressive to explode like that in the second half. And we've been wanting these big plays, uh, to come. And, but the funny thing is it wasn't vertical passing that got the big plays. It was just some well-timed, uh, 10 yard routes that were blocked really well downfield and, and got it to a fast guy, and he was able to to run and pick up a big chunk of yards. You know, first Hobart, we got to see Hobart's speed for the first time, and he's pretty damn fast. And uh, and Travell Harris got a nice big one. Um, so it was it, it was it was crazy. You know, they finally busted loose, and you could see what happens in this offense when you can get some chunk plays. They don't have to grind out every first down. Um, and then, of course, in the second half, those the running game started picking up. You know, that's one thing we pegged before the game is that Oregon State was uh, not so great against the run, and, and WSU struggled to run the ball in the first half. But right away, their first drive in the second half, they obviously made a point to run the ball, and they picked up some nice chunks to get them down, um, and, and to get them down into the into the red zone where they f- finished the drive. And so uh, that was uh, – that was real. That was real cool to see them uh, be able to just come out, get that run going in the in the second half, and then also just fling it around the yard. Uh, Delora was uh, near perfect in that second half. After, like you said, the the worst throw, worst interception you'll ever see. <laughs> really gr- lucky that that dude stepped out of bounds. But like, um, but yeah. So all around. Uh, like an impressive as a, as an impressive second half as we've seen this team play since Rolovich took over, and so that was that was cool to see. I mean, by a long shot, right? By a <laughs> like, long shot, like and obviously like, the I on mean, offensively because the defense had, yeah. had their struggles yes. in the in the second yes. half. Um, yeah, it, like you said, the the short passes that turn to big gains. I mean, that's that's supposed to be the idea behind these offenses, right? I mean, the air raid was 
you know, that's supposed to be the idea there that you, that you throw and throw it to space and let a guy run. And, um, yeah, pretty wild to, uh, to watch the, watch the offense do that. I, I do think that some of that had to do with, um, you know, what, like, I don't know what Oregon state was doing to be honest. Cause they had been a, a fairly respectable, you know, pass defense. Um, but they, they found something, man. They, they found, you know, it, it reminded me of, to be honest, the, the play calling that, uh, of Mike Leach, not because, you know, necessarily air raid versus run and shoot or whatever, but just like Leach, Leach would kind of do this. He'd spend, you know, the first quarter, quarter and a half kind of probing, trying to figure out where the soft spot is. And then, and then, and then it's, it's, it's almost like one of those like old gangster movies where, you know, they take the screwdriver and stick it in the leg and then, and then they kind of twist it around a little bit while the, you know, while the guy's going, ah, my leg, my leg. Right. It's like, you know, Leach would just sort of go back to it again and again and again and would pound on these soft spots. And that's kind of what this one felt like. It felt like, um, you know, they, they found something I'm not, you know, a sophisticated enough football watcher to know exactly what it was, but, um, you know, they, they spread them out. They ran that empty set a lot. Um, I don't know how many snaps they did, but, um, it seemed like about one out of every three or four plays that they ran that, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but is a lot more than you would normally see. Like you might see it like once or twice a drive, right. You know, if, if you're, if you're running it fairly regularly, um, so they went to that pretty, pretty often, um, had a lot of success with it. Just really, had Oregon State guessing in the second half, which, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, you know, we just haven't we just haven't seen that. And, um, you know, and it's very encouraging. I don't know how much of that had to do. There, there was uh, something said about changing primary play callers. So I don't know, you know, how much of it had to do with that. Uh, the, the They switched primary play callers from uh, Smith to Stutzman. Um so, you know, I don't know if that's, that was a big deal or not. I mean, you know, for people who want to be like, oh, well, of course that was it. Uh, Stutzman was the play caller for Cal and that was terrible except for about three drives. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we, we kind of talk about this before we start recruiting, you know, this team's a little, team's a little confounding, man. Like, like I, I'm not sure exactly what to make of them because they just seem to be heading in a certain direction and they, and then they pop up you know, with, a, with a thing where you go, well, I, boy, I wasn't expecting that. And I don't know, man, I, I don't know how much of this is repeatable. How much of this is uh projectable going forward? Like, are, I mean, are we expecting Jaden Delore is going to throw for, you know, 400 yards on 45 attempts again? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you have any ideas? Uh, yeah, I think at some point, but I, it, it sometimes it's, we, Jaden Dolores seems like he's been around so long at this point already, but how many games has he actually played? Well, yeah, you know? he's still got uh, less than one full season's worth of starts. Like well less than that because he's yeah. Uh, so it's I, he should you you kind of expect him to make a jump at some point, or he's just not going to be any good. But you know, it was nice to see him get in a rhythm. You know, we we always talk about his his accuracy in the first half he definitely struggled with accuracy the second half you know what enables those guys to get those big runs after the catch is putting the ball in the right spot because what you kept seeing in the over and over again in the first five and a half games of the season uh is that he would or you know not he wasn't in all those but but for most of the season that he was in you they'd run these little short routes 
and then he kind of threw it behind them. Even if they caught it, they'd be tackled immediately. But now he's getting in space, and uh, you know it's cool to see the the wide receivers blocking downfield. Uh, Deshaun Stribling had a had a great block on on Hobert's uh, run for a touchdown. Um, we saw some other great blocks. Um, yeah, the the offensive line. We could talk about that. The offensive line had Brian Green back at center, and they looked a lot better, particularly in the passing game. Uh, the running game, still you're seeing too many uh, negative or no-gain no plays. We need to get better at that. Um, but but otherwise, like the, that was clearly the offensive line's best game. Now, how good is Oregon State's defense? Probably not very good, but they had been pretty decent against the pass, and WCU absolutely shredded them through the air. So uh, just a lot of positive vibes around the offense. This is finally that second half. Um is finally like what you're hoping for when you when you hire an offensive coach when you hire an offensive minded staff and hire with a with a with a a dynamic offensive philosophy and it just happened and it was super fun and yeah I hope that it continues because uh, uh, you know that they that may be one of the worst defenses they're going to play the rest of the season but maybe if if Jaden's just taking steps and, and some of the younger receivers are stepping up and, and the line is gelling, maybe this can be uh, something we can expect going forward. I I think I love the way he just sort of has, like he just looks like he's confident and in control, right? I mean, like yes. fans definitely get too, too much into these, you know, you know, like television psychologists, right? Like, the, the one that we talk about all the time was, you know, Clay Thompson's pouty face, right? Like, like all of our fans who just didn't like Clay Thompson's body language. And it was like, oh my God, you know, like, come on. But I, I will say that Jane Delora has superior body language. Um, you know, he just sort of oozes this confidence. And even when things don't go well, um, you know, I mean, there was every reason for him to uh, be down or fall apart after that interception. I mean, after that, that first half was bad. Like, like it was, um, you know, they, they were moving the ball. Okay. But just like, you know, critical mistakes and, you know, shooting themselves in the foot and, you know, turnovers, whatever, um, you know, and, and yet out he comes in the, in the second half. And, um, you know, I don't know how much, you know, changing he's doing at the line. I don't know how much he's just setting protections, but, you know, people make a lot out of just kind of watching him, you know, walk around and, you know, bark at people and things like that. Again, I not, not an expert football watcher, so I can't even tell you exactly what he's doing, but, um, but I just, I just think when you watch him, I, I do think that some of that, um, I just think that some of that has to rub off on your teammates. You know, when you think about who, who's leading you and, and, and where you're willing to go to follow that person. Um, I, I just think Delora gives off some of that. And, um, you know, one of the things I'm writing about in my, in my Monday column, that's not quite done is, that, you know, that I wasn't sure he had this kind of performance in him. I mean, maybe not ever, but just like certainly not right now. You know, this kind of high volume, high yard per attempt, um, you know, type of performance where you go, wow, that's, 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 you know, that's pretty wild. Um, I mean, just to put like a, like a little bit of an exclamation point on it. Like, you know, we talk about EPA, right? EPA is expected points added. Um, our EPA per pass was 0.402, which if I understand this right, quite literally means every time we threw a pass, we added 0.4 points to our expectation of scoring. Like 
that's that's a really high number. Yeah. <laughs> and that is for for when you throw 45 passes, that's a really high number. Um and just kind of underscores how good it was and yeah, so Delore was just, you know, really really impressive, totally in command. Um you know, just high confidence, you know, high, a lot of moxie. I just man, it, and I think the other thing I noticed that um and maybe you noticed this too. I don't I don't know if you did or not, but um you know, I was kind of looking back at his stat, his like his game logs. Um he's not taking off and running right now pretty much at all. Um, you know, some of that's probably to do with the knee. He doesn't want to get the knee hit, but, um, I almost wonder a little bit. He has to be absolutely flush, like a, like a total jailbreak. Uh, the only time he did it was the one time against Cal, right. Where he had, it was third down. He had to right to scramble for a first down. Other than that, he's been scrambling philosophy. (laughs) Yeah. He's been reluctant to do it. And maybe, maybe that's good. Yeah. Maybe because he, early in the season, he seemed like a one read in bail, like, it was it was if that first read wasn't there he was gone and we know from watching the air raid you know from watching professional football you know from watching any like very good quarterback there's big gains to be had if you come off of that first read and it seems like he's doing that now he does seem to kind of stare at balls now but honestly it a lot of the ones he stared down against Oregon State it looked like he was just kind of waiting for he knew the guy was going to open up and and it came open or whatever, but, but he still, he seems to move his head a little more. And I saw that kind of start to happen with, with against Cal. And it, it, it seems like he was doing that more. So it seems, yeah, if, if he doesn't have that option to take off all the time, maybe the coaching staff is saying, Hey, you're getting beat up. You can't do this. We need you. Uh, maybe that's helping him grow as a passer grow as a guy who goes through progression um and maybe this is the result you couple it with playing kind of a shitty defense and you get to you get to have a fun you know 30 minutes of football our receivers look a lot better too <laughs> when he's doing this like i think oh, yeah. you know as we kind of went you know hey we got a lot of talented receiver and then we kind of start to go eh, do we <laughs> Do we? I don't know because it's it's so hard to tell. Is it is it the quarterback? Is it the receivers? Um, they they look pretty good right now, including uh, everybody's new favorite speedster, Joey Hobart. Pretty awesome. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, just to see him break one like that. It's funny we listened on the radio. Uh, Chazanow and, and Brink were like, we knew he was fast. Like now everyone gets to see he's he's legitimately fast and. You know, obviously, uh, because he's a white wide receiver, people never assume that. But but yes. he 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 could burn it, you know. And uh, yeah. and yeah, we've got some quickness and speed at wideout. Not a lot of size, but a lot of quick and fast guys. And so, if you can get them in space, which we haven't been able to do enough, um, it's been a lot of like guarded throw. You know, tough completions. If they can get them in space, this could be just. You know, they Donovan Ollie got wide open for that was really when the offenses started opening up. It was that first drive of the second half. They caught Ollie on he just got wide open for about a twenty five yard gain. That was the first big pass play they've had, you know, in a while. And 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 that just shook things loose. And after that you just saw like wide receivers just more and more open, 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 open. And uh that was uh, it's really cool, you know. That makes it easy for Jaden, but also it also could be maybe Jaden is not making it as easy to see what he's doing. And 
But uh, it was good to see the receivers uh, have a nice game. Again, we'll say like Oregon State had at least non-opponent adjusted, had been pretty good against the pass, including against uh, USC. So um, maybe maybe there's something there for these receivers that there's you know there's two young guys on the outside uh that that are still uh have a long way to go and same with hobert uh we got our two veterans who've been making plays all season when they have the opportunity but um if if Jaden can get the others involved uh maybe this is the start of something that's what we're hoping you know something the start of Something fun because those first five weeks of watching this offense was not fun, and it kind of it made it hard. It made it harder to believe that WSU could win any game, especially against a team with an offense as potent as Oregon State has had. Um, so I guess let's let's talk a little bit about the defense. Uh, the the aggregate sort of numbers, other than the points, don't look great, uh, particularly in the second half against the run where they they were pretty solid against the run in the first half but that ended pretty quickly and and they got run over in the second half uh still did very they didn't let um Oregon State do much of anything through the air uh and they made again made some huge plays to end some drives both on fourth down and turning the ball over uh, with, with interceptions that that helped them keep that point total down and, and allowed WSU to come back in the second half and win. And so, I, you know, it's like, what can you say that, that maybe they got a little lucky, but they've been getting a lucky a lot this season. Yeah. So maybe maybe there's some, some intention there, right? <laughs> this is where I talk about them being confounding, right? Like I'm like, okay, so the the analytic part of my brain – looks at these last three games and goes, eh, you know, like, like, okay. You know, we talked about how Utah, they, um, you know, the turnovers were kind of out of control and, and largely not due to us. Right. Like, like Utah put the ball on the ground a lot. They put the ball on the ground seven times. That was not us. And I mean, if, and if you were thinking that we have some sort of very special fumble formula that has not come to pass the last two games, right? Like I think, I think Cal and, and, and Oregon State each put the ball on the ground a couple times each, I think, if I'm if I'm remembering right. So no kind of special, you know, fumble formula there. Um, so we kind of, okay, you know, well, 20, you know, 17 offensive points for you. Okay, you know, whatever, you turnovers. And then last week it's like, well, you know, Cal only scored six. But, you know, they, I mean, they, they had an, an okay amount of yards. And, you know, they just kind of, you know, petered out on fourth down a whole bunch and, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then this week it's like, eh, you know, I mean, you know, Oregon state racked up 467 yards. I mean, it's, they, they, they put up a pile of yards, more yards than the, the, the amount of yards they put up, you would expect more than 24 points. So you go, okay, well, that's a lot they of average, yards, they average 7.4 yards on first downs. Yes. So hey, that's um, you, you would just expect to be moving down the field and not being able to be stopped at any point. Yeah. <laughs> like with yeah. So, you know, so 467 yards. And as we already talked about limited drives, each team only had nine drives, nine. That's like, uh, I think that the, if we remember the cheese, it bowl was, I think eight drives, right? Yeah. So that game against air force eight drives against a triple option team. So, I mean, this wasn't 
all that different and may have in fact been about the same had we not had sort of that turnover fest at the end of the first half. So like really, really minimal drives. So 467 yards on just a handful, you know, maybe about two thirds as many drives as you might expect. Yeah. In a you're game. at over 50 yards a drive there. Yeah. So you're just kind of going like, okay. And yet they only gave up 24 points. And, um, you know, I sent you a text today with a stat that I think, I think is pretty relevant. <laughs> you know, uh, the last two weeks on fourth downs, our opponents are one of nine on fourth down. I mean, that's as good as a turnover, right? So I like, do we have some sort of special fourth down mojo? Are we due for some regression coming back the other direction? Like I, I like right about now, the analytical part of my mind keeps leaning toward, okay, this is, we, we are benefiting right now from some just really nice random sequencing, which again, sounds very dismissive and, and it sounds way more dismissive than I mean it to. Um, but it's just like I'm struggling to explain, you know, how we are, how how for like kind of three weeks in a row we've gotten, you know, these pretty good results when maybe the stats w- would sort of point towards something else. Well, and you know what the one fourth down conversion is in the last two weeks? Yes. That pass interference. Yes. Which <laughs> was a fucking load of garbage. <laughs> the worst fucking call, man. Oh, it was terrible. Terrible terrible call like that like you can't it was it was quite literally exactly how you teach someone to defend I mean I they were a little handsy but both guys were handsy like yeah whatever pack 12 refs doing their thing and so far I'm sitting there I I'm, I'm up in our little tree house getting dressed for the wedding right right before the wedding's about to start and Get, trying to get my girls dressed, watching the last drive on my phone. Luckily, the, I had enough cell phone service to stream the last drive of the game. And I'm just, like, trying not to, like, flip out, you know, like, in, in public here. Like, just, like, like what like what was that, you know? And, and then, uh, but, man, they came up, again, you know, you're talking about the sequencing. One thing that has helped the sequencing has been the, the play of the defensive line and their ability to create negative plays. Yes. Which, yep. yeah, you might get seven yards on first down, but you might end up in a in a in a third and five still, and then and on yep. that third down you might get sacked. Like so, so it's Ron Stone, Brennan Jackson, uh, in particular, but you know the, the whole defensive line has just been crushing it, and they completely ended that drive. Now, now Oregon State. That fourth and nineteen was a little hairy. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's just like we drew it up. They had it just they like got we drew 18. it up. They needed nineteen. They got eighteen. Had uh, it there, the was whole pl- there was plenty of guys circling the ball there. <laughs> had it the um, whole way, man. Had it the whole way. Um, but you had to be thinking, you know, as a Cook fan, you're like, the, oh, totally. They're, they're getting this 100%. fourth and nineteen, like, oh and we're just God. never oh we're going to be God. thinking about oh, this yeah. fourth there and nineteen forever. But we got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. Yeah. We got uh, it. But yeah, you know, the, and not not even to mention like um, Brennan Jackson's ridiculous uh, interception, yeah, uh, which denied more Beaver points. Yeah. Uh, when they were down, they were cruising, like looked like an automatic uh, touchdown drive. You know, like yeah. they were they were going nowhere. You know, the little tip drill, uh, and 
great play him just dive in and then the way he rolls like he's a wide receiver to keep the ball inside so it doesn't get knocked out on the ground just impressive stuff like just looking so athletic uh but yeah, these guys and Stone just that he set up that fourth and nineteen uh, by getting a, a sack uh, was on first down, I want to say, um, and just putting the beeves behind it. And yeah, just that helps when you have guys that can create negative plays that can destroy a promising drive in a hurry. Yes. yes. Now I, I think maybe they could be receiving the benefit of a few more holding calls, and they're not. Um, but I think we're, we're to the point in the season where refs rarely call those anymore. Uh, it's always, it's always, they call them too much at the start of the year and then everyone tells them to settle down and, and, uh, you stop seeing them as much. But, uh, um, as we see the same thing in basketball with fouls and charges and everything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, I think that's part of it. And if they can continue to get good, uh, defensive line play, particularly on passing downs and particularly particularly getting those occasional tackles for losses on runs uh, where they need them. Because uh, we saw it right in the Beavers' first drive, they came out and they had a, what, like a second and two or second and one, and that ended up being a fourth and two and an incomplete pass. Uh, why they chose to pass the ball there, I don't know, but yeah. that's 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 yeah. your decision to make, Beavs, but... Uh, it reminded me very much of the fourth and short that they had against the Cougs to win the game two years ago, which also was to a big tight end, maybe the same one. I, don't, not, I can't yeah. remember. Um, and, and it was also overthrown and, and tipped away. And and uh, I guess that's what they like to do. They think that's going to work, but it didn't work there. Um, yeah, so it's it, – I, I, maybe there's some magic that they're getting. You know, Maybe the coaches preach – these big downs and and they just elevate their play. But on the flip side, the the Cougar offense had it. They were 10 of 16 on third down, one or two on fourth, but because they were just setting themselves up for success. Uh, It's it's interesting that the Beavers, they averaged 7.4 yards on first down. um, But when they didn't get that first down on, when, when they didn't get the big play on first down, Typically, the Cougs were holding them down and because their average third down distance to go was almost six yards while the Cougs was five. And uh, WSU was able to convert those, particularly the third and shorts, five of eight. They got their one nine plus. Um, so they, they, uh, that one nine plus being that, uh, that really well called and, and well executed screen to Dion McIntosh on the, what well, that was the game winning drive, wasn't it? Uh, that kept that one going was it 24 24 yeah, so. um so that was a huge play at midfield uh to get to pick that up uh really well blocked uh just just great blocking downfield in this game on screens that Lincoln Victor touchdown that was impeccably blocked yeah um that just um all around just well done uh, i think the offense maybe uh felt like they needed to step up uh and after the defense had their game now they picked up the defense in this game because uh, well the defense made their big plays, but still they were giving up a lot of chunks, a lot of a lot of stuff that generally you would think would equate to a lot more points. But still, Oregon State was under three points per possession, which hey, you know they've been they've been scoring more than that against other defenses like Washington's yeah. defense, and, and you know so 
So just to make the plays when they're there is big. And that's how you flip a game when you're not favored. What we talked about in the preview, it's just a, convert a couple more third downs. That's what WSU did. Make a, Get a turnover here or there. That's what WSU got. Both of them got turnovers, but WSU's, WSU matched their sort of – they both had matching red zone turnovers. Um, so, they, you know, they nullified those. But so they, they just make a couple bigger plays – those fourth down conversions stop those and they end up flipping a game that could have been either way, honestly. And they flipped it for themselves and got a big win in front of the fans homecoming and eight straight, all good stuff. Yeah. The one thing that I think might be sustainable. So uh, second week in a row, we've held the quarterback under 50% completion. Now I don't think that number is sustainable, but I, you know, I do think there might be something to, you know, the past defense, like, I think that might be legit. And when you combine that with, you know, what you mentioned, the, you know, the, the essentially the drive killing negative plays, right. Which we have, you know, figured out a way to put on teams at times, um, you know, makes it, makes it tougher. And I know that again, you know, Chase Garbers isn't, you know, the greatest passer who ever lived. And I know that, uh, you know, Oregon State's court. I'm already forgetting his name now, but but I know that he's more of a you know more of a play action, big play uh, kind of quarterback, and not necessarily a you know high volume guy. But still, it's like you know to do to do what they've done Nolan, to limit guy Chance Nolan. There we go. Um, to do what they've done to limit both those guys, I think really does really does say something. I think that um, you know we we know Jalen Watson's good. Uh, but you know, I think Derek Langford who spent, you know, the first three games or so getting picked on relentlessly, um, you know, has really come around. And then we see, you know, George Hicks getting named the PAC 12 defensive player of the week, right? George Hicks, former corner, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if he, uh, if he's, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember how much he started a few years ago, but, uh, but he definitely played, he played on that 2018 team. You know, he was like, he was around and, you know, was, I think a regular starter at corner the last two years um, to see him move to safety and have so much success there um, is really, really cool. He just seems to have really taken to that, um, you know, good anticipation. You know, he's kind of a, he was always kind of a bigger corner anyway, you know, so he, he definitely enjoying hitting people and um, it's cool. So maybe there's something there with that. And then, um, you know, you mentioned the, the average gains on first down by Oregon state, um, that was skewed pretty badly by one run (laughs) in the, uh, after, you know, the first, I think the first time we took the lead, um, Oregon state came back with a two, like an, like an 80 or 75 yard two play drive, both of them on the ground. Um, mostly I was just like, like, I couldn't believe that they, they just didn't just run the ball like three out of every four plays like it just it, it was it, i don't know man they just it seemed like they they just they thought they could throw so they did i mean i just like it was kind of like what you talked about with the game uh two years ago where it's like you know thank god they threw the ball and and didn't just run it when they were running it at will I, I you know we've talked about this before you know coaches just I feel like outthink themselves and I know things aren't maybe as simple as as you know we fans like to think they are but at the same time it's also like man it can't it can't possibly be that complicated either you know like you're you're running up and down the field like why why even bother <laughs> you know like like why like like 
run it, run it till they make you stop running it. Um, and they never did that. And then they got themselves in a position needing a score at the end where they took the run off the table, right? Cause they, they got the ball back with uh, six minutes, I think. Right. Something like that. And you know, they, they, they by, just sort of took their, by the time they were at midfield, there was less than two minutes to go. Yeah. They, they took their sweet time to gain, you know, 25 or 30 yards. And then it was like, Oh crap, we're at midfield and there's a minute and a half left. And well, now we got to throw. And then WC was like, sweet, let's go, <laughs> you know, and they, and they couldn't do it. So, um, I don't know. It just, it feels like, like I said, it, it feels like there's a little, we're, we're getting the benefit on some things, but, um, but you know, you make your own luck with that stuff. Like we used to have the running joke, uh, on our Kook center slack about, you know, wow, our defense looks really great, but have we played any good quarterbacks? And it's like, well, you know, lots, of, lot, there's lots of bad quarterbacks, you know? And so if you, if you can take advantage of the bad quarterbacks, you're, you're pretty much onto something. Um, you know, and it kind of seems like, kind of seems like that's where we're at the last few weeks. So I don't know, man, maybe it's repeatable. Maybe, maybe I'm just, you know, full of shit and I need to, maybe stats are for nerds and losers. And I just need to well, need to get over myself. I will say on the on so if you take out the fifty yard run, they still were at six point two yards per play. So uh, yeah, on, that's on still first good. down. Yeah, so they they still were uh, picking them up. Um, yep. But yeah, it's exactly you know Garbers was actually playing decently well before w, yes. he played WSU and yep. he played like crap. You know, you, you talked about Hicks. You have Jalen Watson. We know how good he is. Daniel Isom has been playing well. Yep. Armani Marsh has had good games. Maybe yes. not the last one. Well, maybe struggled against a run a bit in this game, but he's been he's been playing he's, well. I mean, he's he's and quarterback so just, sized. Like if, that's like if, if you play if, a heavy team yeah. like Oregon State, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna have a rough go. So. so and then if you can get some decent play out of Langford, a combination of Langford or Shaw Smith Wade, you you can you can have a good day against the pass if you can because they have they've been getting solid play from the safeties hicks at safety and then uh and isom and 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 they've been getting solid play at the at the nickel and at from watson so you're just eliminating weak areas and that helps and then and then when you're getting a pass rush and they're getting a, a consistent pass rush that that helps again and yeah, so maybe if they can defend the pass well, there's they're not going to face another team that runs the ball like Oregon State does the rest no. of the season. Maybe because even Oregon doesn't run the ball that well right now. Nope. So I, I or or runs the ball with as much purpose as as Oregon State does, and so they they may get run over again. But if they can shut down that pass, they can create those seemingly improbable chances. And so that's the, you know, that's the game plan now. Uh, ben don't break. That's what, that's what it always is. If they can just limit those big touchdown plays and give themselves a chance to get off the field, uh, that's what they, that's what they have to do. Um, yeah. But other, otherwise it's there. You look at the schedule now and it gets that, that freaking Utah State loss gets more and more annoying. <laughs> I know because if, if if they're sitting four and two right now, yeah. you're thinking, yeah, two more. Yeah, wins. you're thinking, you hell got, yeah. You got Stanford, you got Arizona, 
you got the Avoca. I don't know. Uh, but but you know, the Huskies don't look good, but uh, still the Apple Cup. Um, but, but I mean, you at least think you can get Arizona and then one more game from the rest of them, and you're in a bowl. Uh, but now it's you got to win three more. Um, but honestly, the, at the last two games, if they can put together some performances like that, uh, Oregon State is not a bad team. They're a middle-of-the-road team. They're, not, they're a team that WSU... Uh, should be better than given the the re, like recruiting histories and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but so that's that's another reason why you know if we look at when people have to come at us and be like, oh, you you must not be enjoying this because you want Rolovich fired. It's like, well, we run a Rolovich like out before there was even football snap this year. So like, yes, uh, <laughs> this is this, but we still want WSU to win. We we enjoy seeing the players do well. Uh, it's it's more about our school and it's about uh, supporting uh, other people who love the school and all that stuff. And and yeah, so it's it's fun for us to watch WSU win. Um, and yeah, it, but I will say you know so they're getting to like oh now people now people want to extend Rolovich or whatever. It's like we just beat two teams that we've been beaten pretty consistently, like you know that. We've basically split with Cal the last ten years. We've 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 beaten Oregon State for eight straight years. Like so, these are just programs that we beat, like so that we've had more success than for the last six six or seven years. So it's the the we these aren't wins to be celebrated like a a a, a renaissance for the program because these are wins the program has been getting. Yeah, it's a we beat Oregon State last fucking year. Like why? <laughs> Like what are you? What are you talking? Like this is not a rebuild. We are not yeah. watching Paul Wolf out there. That's like, but that's the like, thing. Like Rolovich has succeeded in making people feel like it's a rebuild. Like he even he even feeds into some of that with things that he says. I don't want to turn this into a shit on him podcast because you know they're they're you know two wins in a row. Like like let's celebrate. But also, you know, he says things like. Well, you know, I don't know if last year's team would have been as resilient as this. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, this is not you didn't you didn't take over for Paul Wolf, man. You, you know, we when you were hired, you said, you know, basically this this sucker's ready made to win. Like, OK, you know, then then let's fucking win. All right. So now we're winning against teams that we should beat. Great. All right. Let's see what happens. Guess case what? We play Next Stanford. week is another team we should beat. Another team we that we've been beating so, for a long time. Yes. So, so okay, we them. should beat them also. You know, you beat Oregon. Okay, right? You go beat uh you go beat Washington. All right. Arizona you know, State. Go beat Arizona State. All right. We're on to something, right? Like, you know, show me one of those before I'm gonna before I'm ready to anoint him. Um, you know, because obviously, I mean, I wrote a big long column on why he should be fired and how they're in over their heads. And this does not yet convince me that they're not. You know, like I mean I <laughs> Again, you know, all the things that we've said about, you know, we're not exactly sure how sustainable a lot of this stuff is. And again, you know, you're, you're not you're not going to get gold stars for me for beating Oregon State and, and Cal like that's, you know, yay. I'm excited. It was fun as hell. Um, I know that some of our fans have a hard time with the idea that we can uh, compartmentalize our feelings about the coach and our feelings about the players and our feelings about the school and that, that maybe we can actually segment those things. But, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to need to see a lot more, uh, out, out of this coaching staff before, uh, but before I, I am persuaded to change my mind and I can have my mind changed. Like I, if I, if I end up being wrong, then I'm wrong and whatever. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to need to see more before I'm, before I'm feeling like, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. This is boy. I sure feel like a fool. Like it's, it's going to take, it's going to take a bit more, uh, before we get there. Yeah. So, uh, what I think we should do now, um, we'll take a break. Yeah, and we probably should. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into, uh, you know, that other Rolovich news and we'll get into, um, the, the, volleyball and soccer team weekends um which uh were pretty pretty good and and yeah so we'll be back today's episode is brought to you by cars.com With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So, Jeff, I know you and I are two folks who love a good craft beer. Yes. And are not afraid to take our kids with us to go drink a beer. True. And But it can often be difficult to find a place. I know when we go to Sounders matches, it's like the great struggle to yes. find a place to get a good beer and then also that our kids can yes. hang out with us at, like if we're taking our kids or whatever. Yep. Um, but pretty good news, pretty exciting news down over there in Ellensburg as uh, Pretty Fair Beer is gotten their restaurant license and they are now officially all ages. So, Jeff, <sighs> if next time we roll on through Ellensburg and we got our kids with us, we can stop by have a delicious pretty fair beer you know like if we stop this weekend fresh hops still flowing oktoberfest still going getting all those beers that we're used to getting over here on the west side and you could just like continue get those delicious beers um over in ellensburg uh that they drive and get them um yeah just uh really cool um really happy for them um i'm really happy for myself uh I'm taking I'm taking the kids to the to the game this weekend. I might have to try to um, persuade some of the other folks I'm with that we uh, should stop maybe on the way back on Sunday and have some lunch in Ellensburg because that should be uh, an easy love... sell. Yeah, it should be an easy sell uh, because why is it an easy sell, Jeff? Because Pretty Fair Beer is run by Coogs, proudly yeah. run by Coogs. Uh, so I, I I love to drink there and I love to have delicious beer. So like. Um, 
and also I love uh, Tyler, the owner, uh, sends us, uh, the co-owner, sends us uh, emails each week just to kind of give an update on, on what they have going on. So, uh, But he says, personally, he's enjoying Stoops Robust Porter, which that gives me, in, he gets instant beer cred for me by saying that because Stoops Robust Porter is the best version of the style I've had around the state. Um, the best Porter I've had basically, you know, one that isn't like barrel aged Imperial, whatever, uh, but it's still robust. So it's bigger than your standard Porter. It's, you know, around six, 7%, but it's, it's, it's a very well done. It reminds me of a lot. One of my favorite beers of all time, Hill Farmstead Everett, which is another robust Porter. Um, very similar to that. Uh, so I love that beer. And I, and the fact that Tyler says, uh, and I've, and I've, I've talked to him about, you know, beers he likes. So that he, that just tells me he legit knows what he's doing, uh, bringing those beers in. Um, and he knows what good beer tastes like. Uh, so that makes me feel good, uh, that we, uh, we proudly, uh, support them here. And, uh, um, although, you know, obviously the sponsor, but, um, but still I, I genuinely, uh, like that place and, and, and I'm excited to go again, and hopefully he has some stupid robust porter there because now I'm now I'm I'm craving one man. <laughs> now you're jonesing for one. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty fair beer in a downtown Ellensburg, uh, proudly Cougar owned and Cougar run. Um, so stop by, you know, if you uh, live in Central Washington, they play all the Coug games. They'll have the Stanford game on at 4:30 on Saturday. They'll play the. They'll have the Kraken games. They'll have the Seahawks games uh, and the the Sounders games. So um, everything you want to watch. And uh, honestly, Sounders can be harder to find uh, on the uh, in Central Washington as well. So um, yeah, stop by, especially for the Coug games. Again, like I mentioned before, it's hard to watch. It's hard to find watch parties in Central Washington for some reason. Maybe you're just too close to Pullman. I don't know. Uh, but but it, it's it's a great place. Um, and I know they're, uh, they're big cooks. They're hyped. They're hyped about that win. And they're, they're, uh, they're super hyped about, uh, basketball season coming up too. So, uh, they're, they're, they're vibing right along with us. So that's a great place for y'all to hang out. Um, if you want a place to stop on the way to Pullman, or if you just live around Ellensburg and want a place to get a good beer and watch the Cougs, yeah. pretty fair beer. So Jeff, what's your pretty fair beer of the episode? It is the uh, so. By the way, I don't know if you remember last week, but but I was told that the beer I had last week would change my life, um, and I said, you know, it was really damn good, but maybe not, maybe didn't change my life. This yeah, was another pretty, one. You, you seem like you're like kind of the same person, honestly. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I haven't I think seen so. noticed much change. That's true. I mean, we haven't been around each other, but I don't know. I, I think I'm pretty much the same. Did you lose like like 50 pounds this week? (laughs) That definitely. definitely And you're just like ripped all of a sudden. Like, dude, I drank one, uh, what was it? Uh, Sig Fresh Hot Beer. And and now, 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 now look, after one week, you know, I I have, I have a six pack. I, you know, yeah. Well, I definitely have six packs. But so what's not changing your life kind. this week, Jeff? What What is not changing my life this week, um, but it's still pretty damn good. Uh, so this is the Rubens Fresh Hop Double Crush IPA. Oh, um, yes. So, yeah, uh, really, 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 really good. Um, 
yeah, like just citrusy and hazy and um, hazier than most. Uh, it's definitely kind of got that uh, uh, that almost kind of milkshakey mouthfeel to it. Um, but yeah, yeah, very, very tasty. And apparently I was lucky to get my hands on one is what I've been told. So they were I guess they were tough to find there for a little while. Yeah, I know they're sitting over in the cooler at Beer Stardust. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were like, um, they, they, at, out at Rainier Growlers, they were like, ooh, you got one of those. We don't have many left. I'm like, okay, you know, all right. Well, that's because that's so, so Rainier Crowlers is, play, uh, Growlers is where, uh, they, they probably do Crowlers now too, right? Rainier Crowlers. Yeah, they've done those for a while. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I wasn't wrong. Rainier Crowlers. Uh, yes. But, but so that they are... They are like the premier beer nerd spot for what, like fifteen miles around there. You know, ten miles maybe till you go to Tacoma. I, I mean, you know, probably, until you hit yeah. the South Tacoma places. Yes, you know? yes. I don't. Um, I don't know where else there so would be other than Tacoma. There, there's not like close to there. Maybe you go up to Cascades, maybe um, South uh, uh, Edison City. Those are the comparable places. But yeah, there's there's a significant distance. And so they, so if they get anything that's like that beer nerds want, that's going to go so quick because they're yeah. going to go in there and get it. But yep. yes, that Ruben's double crush. I don't know if I've had one this year, but in, in the past few years, um, that's been, especially if you like the hazy IPA style, yep. one of the best kind of hazy fresh hot beers. Yep. Um, it, but it's outstanding. And, yeah. It's, and I, I really like when breweries take styles that they already make and then or a beer a kind of a recipe that they already have and just add fresh hops to it so you get you you really can see the impact that the fresh hop has and then also you usually don't end up with like the bad parts of fresh hop with like the vegetal flavors and stuff uh, because they don't oh it's not just about showing what a fresh hop tastes like it's just about seeing what a fresh hop how a fresh hop can impact a beer um, which is very cool. Yep. So, yeah. How about you, good. man? So i I really want to uh, get a a block fifteen beer out of Corvallis, uh, but I mm. could I didn't have one in my cellar, and I didn't plan it. I could have just found one in, in many different places, but I didn't plan ahead. Um, I'm just not known to do that. Uh, but so um, I, and then I, I know that uh, you know. Oregon State has their brewing program, and and I know they have an alum that brews at Other Half in Brooklyn, and I thought I had another half bottle in the cellar left, and I could not find it, Um, so I had to move on to just another uh, Oregon brewery uh, that's not too far from Corvallis, uh, Fort George out of Astoria, Oregon, Mm -hmm. and I did find... uh, on LinkedIn that their one of their field marketing, their field marketing manager went to Oregon state. So boom, I, I, I made my connection, uh, that at least one person from Oregon state works at Fort George. Um, I was trying to find if one of the brewers was from Oregon state, which I wouldn't be surprised if they had one, but, uh, but anyway, so this is a Fort George, Kentucky girl. It's from, uh, they didn't put, they didn't, they didn't mark the year on this, but if I remember right, I think it was from 2017. Um, I have in my, I think that's what it says in my, uh, in my seller list. Uh, so yeah, Fort George is 
Kentucky Girl is a bourbon barrel aged coffee girl stout. I don't know what coffee girl means. Is that is there a place called Coffee Girl in Astoria? Like a Or is it just a reference to like baristas? Ah, uh, that's how kind of Cuz like, like I mean it, it's pretty typical to call baristas coffee girls or at least it was. Oh no, no, no. Okay. No, there is there is a coffee house in Astoria called Coffee Girl. Ah, there you go. So, so you knew I it. guarantee you knew that it. they got the coffee from Coffee yes, Girl. Of course. Um, so otherwise, like that would be you'd be towing a line of getting in trouble there by yeah, calling that's it true. a girl stout. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but it's 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 very much a girl stout, twelve and a half percent by volume. Um very tasty. Uh, wow. You know the the coffee is faded a bit, uh, but that's okay. Um, and it, it's, it's got a nice body to it. Not, not too heavy, a uh, nice kind of, not, a, I wouldn't say a medium body, but f- in the realm of a barrel aged out, a medium body, um, good barrel on it. Uh, obviously it's bourbon barrel aged. That's why they call it a Kentucky girl. Um, very good. It's kind of a, uh, it's a different, usually they, you know, they're big barrel aged shadows, Matryoshka, that, which is a Russian, uh, Imperial stout. So this is a diff- very different um, vibe. It, they, it's obviously a different sort of base stout, I would think, because it doesn't it doesn't taste a lot like matryoshka. Um, and I've had matryoshka with coffee in it, and and that uh, that doesn't that definitely tastes different than this. So uh, it's very good. Um, like I've had it sitting around for three or four years, um, but it's still pretty tasty. Uh, it is from their Sweet Virginia series, a brewer-developed series named after our small batch eight and a half barrel brew house. Uh, eight and a half barrel brew house, uh, the size of many of your favorite microbreweries, and that's just their—that's Fort George's small place. That's their—that's yeah. their tiny place. This gives you kind of uh, uh, an idea. You know, a lot of a lot of breweries start out with like a seven barrel. And then maybe they'll move to a 15 if they're a little bigger. But there's a lot of breweries that start out with like seven barrel brew house. Um, so uh, eight and a half barrel as your small batch one. Uh, that's why there's small batch beers you can still find in quite a lot of places. And they still make, they're still very well done. Um, one of those breweries that can scale up and still make good beer. So yeah, yeah. this is a very good one. Uh, it has a tie to Oregon. Uh, now, now that I did the Berkeley beer last year now or last week, I, I, I want to do uh, a different, you know, beer from where we beat them, which that might get harder from some of the <laughs> some of the places. But um, I don't know any. I don't even think I have any beers from Palo Alto, but we'll see. Um, yeah, you could just extend it to the the Bay Area in general, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I could do that. Um, so, all right, man. Uh, that that's our pretty fair beer. Uh, segment Pretty Fair Beer in Ellensburg, run by Coogs. Check them out. Do yeah. that extra mile to downtown Ellensburg. All right. So, again, we, we got to talk about this. Uh, the USA Today broke the story <sighs> on Saturday morning uh, with the named source of June Jones, uh, Rolovich's yeah. mentor. Uh, which self called mentor, but I, I'm I would not be surprised if he legitimately was his mentor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 
breaking the news that Rolovich had filed for a, a religious exemption, and which was then confirmed by Rolovich to Yogi Roth, which Yogi Roth said on the broadcast, and then was confirmed in the <laughs> Yogi post-game Roth sort presser. Of mentioned in passing. Yeah, that was on very the podcast. Weird. I, it was funny because all credit to Ted Robinson, he set him up to actually talk about it, yeah. and then Yogi kind of was obviously not comfortable with Yogi's saying like, anything. I don't really want to talk about this. Yeah, because he's like, I might do another coup game, and Rolovich might be the coach, and I'm going to have to like have our pregame meetings and all this stuff. Yeah. And so he obviously was kind of dancing around it and all that. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. So Rolovich himself confirmed it. Um, so he's he's p- applied for a medical exemption, or not medical, sorry, a religious, religious. exemption. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it seems from uh, data that um, who who tweeted that out from Spokane, uh, Melissa. Uh, Melissa Luck. Yes. Thank you. Um, tweeted out uh, that a, a lot of a large percentage of religious exemptions have been granted, but the where you see the disparity is in getting the accommodations that so that you can do your job. Yep. So you can get a religious exemption, which I would not be surprised if Rolovich got that. Because uh, remember, these are blind, so they, they do not get to know that Rolovich has already said he's not against vaccination. Right. He has said that publicly, but apparently now he also has a religious uh, component. Um, we, we don't know, but we kind of assume he's Catholic just based on his upbringing. And, yeah. Uh, and, but we also know that the... Uh, the head of the Catholic Church is for the COVID vaccine. Um, obviously, some local, uh, what do you call them? What are the little uh, regions of uh, the uh, parishes? No, whatever they're called. Um, the the local segments, is particularly in Eastern Washington, aren't aren't fully on board with that. But uh, um, but yeah, so you know, based on a on a on what we've seen, seems like he'll get the exemption. But it, now, uh, I, I think Theo Lawson tweeted it earlier. Like the big buzzword now is accommodation in, in all of this. Will WSU grant the right and can the right accommodations be provided for Rolovich to perform his duties as a head football coach at WSU? Which, of course, goes well beyond simply coaching practices and football games. And that's the big question now. So what do you yeah, think, Jeff? I, I, I think the answer is no. Um, you know, when you look at it, essentially, and this this is the part that people are really going to, it's going to divide a lot. Of, I mean, not, not that it's already not super divisive because it definitely is, but, but this is going to make it like even worse because people are going to point to, um, you know, they're going to be like, well, he's coached with a mask this whole time. What changed? And it's like, well, you know, you've, you've, uh, you know, like that, like that was the only alternative for a long time. Um, and now we have a better alternative, which is, you know, get the vaccine and then you can do whatever you want more or less. Right. 
Um, you know, so once that's available, well, now there's a better way. And we already know that masks are not foolproof, right? I mean, they help, they help, no doubt. And, you know, don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise that, you know, don't ever let anybody tell you that they don't do any good because they definitely do. Um, but they're, they're, they're not as good as, as a, you know, as a vaccine, you know, as we know. So, I mean, to say that someone who's not vaccinated can just, you know, wear a mask and get tested, like that's not good enough. It's not good enough. And when you look at the nature of a college football coach's job, um, they're going to be in close contact with people constantly, you know? And I think that's kind of the deal. Like what you're seeing is the people who are being told that they can't be accommodated even with an exemption is people who, um, you know, are in close contact with people as, as a part of their job all the time. And Rolovich is going to fall in that category as well. So, um, yeah, this, this may or may not, you know, I mean, we, we reported on this reported, that's not the right word. I aggregated a story from somebody else where I said, you know, he very well could still lose his job even with an exemption. Um, and, and I, I, you know, everything I've seen since has, has really only led me to more strongly believe that that's not just a possibility, but actually a probability. I just don't see how, I don't, I don't see how they would be able to accommodate that other than like, well, you're not allowed to go within however many feet of everybody. Like, obviously that's not going to happen. So, um, he has, he has media responsibilities. He has donor responsibilities. Yeah. He, he, you know, we're expecting him to be in living football camp responsibilities, recruiting, recruiting, all this stuff. And we already know recruiting is not good right now. Like, well, we did get a commit, but. You know, he's not he wasn't exactly a highly sought after commit. Um, I, I, so. I will say one thing on that. I went back and looked it up. Like, how many commits do we typically get in this time frame? So I, looked, and I looked and I looked a week ago and we don't typically get more than two or so in in this time frame. Uh, commits and now this is commits that eventually signed. There could have been commits that didn't eventually sign, whatever. Yeah. Um, so th- it's not atypical, but one thing that maybe is a little weird we've had three home games, including a very marquee home game against USC. Yep. And so, where it seems like you would want to have a lot of visits, all that stuff. Um, I will say, I'll be if after this stretch of three home games. If there isn't a handful of recruits that commit, you know, by the end of October, uh, I, I might be especially worried about that recruiting. Of course, Rolovich might not even be around that long if if, if they cannot accommodate him. Um, it, it so that that might just be a moot point anyway. But that that but so I'm not I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it has affected the recruiting, but I. I would lean that it probably has just based on the dearth of on-campus visits that we've had, which I know you looked up as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've only had, uh, I think four or five official visits, at least if you, if you believe Coog fan, which they're good at tracking that. I have no reason to think they're not, 
that their list isn't comprehensive. We, we just haven't had very many at all. And, um, you know, I think we've had plenty of unofficial visitors. You know, I was under the impression we had a ton of visitors for USC. Um, Kook fan only had one official visitor listed. And I was like, huh, that's weird. So maybe we had a whole bunch of, you know, a whole bunch of juniors, you know, visiting unofficially. But, um, you know, it really was kind of surprising to see that. And it's not just um, it's not just the, the, the dearth of officials, but it's also um, you know, the quality, I mean, the guys who are coming are, you know, and God bless them if they get a scholarship offer and they commit and, you know, all that good stuff, like, like good for them. Right. Like I'll, I'll never blame a kid for, for committing if he gets an offer, like, you know, good for him. Um, but I will say that, you know, these are guys who were, you know, underwhelming prospects. And, you know, when you're, when you're bringing in guys on officials who are unrated recruits, um, who, who's, you know, where we are their only group or their only power five offer, um, you know, that when you sort of put it all together, that's where you get concerned. Like, it's not like recruiting will come and go. Like we know, like commits come and go, right. Where like, you know, you don't get, you don't get any for a while. And then all of a sudden you get like three, you know I mean? That, that totally happens. So it's not like it's super, super, you know, panic inducing that we've only got, you know, this many commits or whatever, but it's when you put that together with the with the visits, with the quality of kids that are coming in on visits with, you know, I mean, just you, you, you go this thing plus this thing plus this thing plus this thing. And all of a sudden you go, yeah, it's a bad situation. It's a bad situation and it's not getting better. And, um, you know, that's the part where you go, OK, so can he do his job? And certainly, um, you know, the the athletic department would be privy to I would certainly think some data that would say, OK, you know, hey, how many how many in-home visits, you know, are you making? You know, how many people are telling you you can't come to their home because you're not vaccinated? Like or I mean, just like I would think there would be ways to to investigate that. And um, as the as the department sort of gathers information for for what to do about him. So, I mean, how do you accommodate that? I mean, you just can't like you literally cannot accommodate uh, they won't let you in their house because you're not vaccinated. So, you know, it's like, oh, well, let's let's do a Zoom call. I mean, you know, that, I th- I think that ain't there's, it. There's, 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 I think all of us have our own anecdotal data at this point. Like, For we sure. know that that you cannot build the same level of relationship over Zoom. Like, oh, Zoom is sure. better than a phone call. But you cannot build the same level of relationship over zoom that as you can in person and i'm str- i'm struggling this i'm struggling with this in my own like profession where i'm trying to build a network i'm trying to build a business but i where you know i i built the current network i have going to events and meeting people in person and, and you know sitting down with them and, and talking with them you know sharing a meal sharing a beverage sharing a meal is share, exactly you're building like building a connection, having a shared experience. And yet Zoom is not a shared experience. Like we all we all have the shared experience of Zoom. It is not a unique shared experience. So yeah. it's it's just not the same thing. No. And so yeah, it's it's yeah, you can't accommodate for that. Same for when dealing directly with donors. Like you can't yep. you can't accommodate well you can have Zoom calls like is every single uh, c- c- night with Cougar football going to have Nick Rolovich over Zoom? Right, like, like no his, one, like who, his coaches show. Who's paying a thousand bucks a table for that or whatever? You know, like 
like it's just not it's not the same and and i you know i wouldn't be surprised if wsu finds out and sees it the same way and so uh this is what we'll see uh in a in a fucking week at this point right like it's uh we're coming to the we're we're coming to the terminus man like this i mean this might be the last game this might this might be the so win the fucking game nick come on yeah uh but you know go out on a high note uh but but uh yeah this uh it's it's gonna be a weird week yep <laughs> it's gonna be a weird week we we everything's on the table now he tried to hide it he tried it but you know his his mentor you know maybe out of care for him maybe out of you know maybe out care of some for his assistance. level care for his assistance or maybe he just thought well hell i'll get my name out there you know i don't know uh but he obviously he obviously june jones was obviously cared enough to put his relationship with nick rolovich on the line uh by doing that because obviously nick rolovich was not happy about it the way he talked about it in that press conference (laughs) yeah that's an understatement um (laughs) so i he was seething yeah uh so it's it's gonna be a wild week um i'm happy for us to get to a a point of decision i guess um so we can maybe just move on from speculation uh so we'll see uh when we're talking next week we might know you know who knows um well now that we we're we're recording on the 18th next week so <laughs> well we're supposed to record Maybe on we'll sundays know. we just yeah we're supposed I to record know. on sundays we just never get around to it yeah um uh, sorry everyone it's mostly sorry michael because our podcast is just right before yours now. yeah um which is worse for us than it is for him honestly. yes um now that we've uh shit on the recruiting should we talk about this commit <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what else. I don't know what much there is to say. So, I mean, he's, well, what we got to say, all his offers are Arkansas State, Austin P. Let's go P. Florida right. Atlantic, Middle FCF Tennessee school. State. So we have an FCF school and we have three Sun Belt schools. Yep. Um, and he's from Florida. Yeah. So he, he's from Winter Garden, home of Marcus or hometown of Marcus Capers. Um, I did not remember that. Yeah. Um, no, he's Winter Haven. I'm sorry. Oh, Winter Garden, Winter Haven. Marcus Capers is Winter Haven. Probably the same place. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I watched, I watched his video. Um, you know, he played as a safety last year. He's playing as a corner this year. He's small-ish. He's, you know, listed at 5'11", 160, which probably means he's more like 5'10", and 150. Um so he's definitely smaller than what you typically like to see from a corner. Um, you know, good speed, but doesn't seem like great speed. Um, you know, it just seems like he might be he might be a solid kid. Um, he definitely doesn't mind hitting. Um, you know, that may have been, you know, kind of what they saw in him that, you know, made them feel, uh, you know, made them feel good about about trying to sign him. So um, which this is yeah. a this is a kid that's fine in a typical WSU recruiting class. If he's not one of nine, yeah, and and, yeah, and he, he's maybe your he's maybe your eighteenth best recruit or yep. something, right? Yeah, uh, and 
I would say um, 24-7, he was completely unranked. And then all of a sudden, 24-7 had given him an 85 grade, which uh, 85 is like just a mid, a, a total middle-of-the-road three-star. Um, it felt very arbitrary. <laughs> like, it just sort of felt like they slapped a number on him because um, he was, you know, about to commit or something. Um, I don't know, man. You know, again, I'm only watching the video, so I can't. I, and I'm certainly no talent scout. Um, but I've, I've watched a lot of videos. 85 seems, I don't know. I would not be shocked if when all the composite scores come in that, um, that he's, you know, something closer to, uh, to 0.82 or something like that, um, as a prospect. I, I will say he officially visited on Saturday and he committed. So that's even more the value. If you can get the kids on campus, yes, you get them to commit. So hopefully yes. over the next two weeks, these are a couple big ass two weeks. You're gonna have probably a top twenty team coming in in two weeks. You're you're gonna have Stanford coming in next week. Um, so, you know, hopefully they got kid they get kids on campus and they get them committed because this is getting desperate if yep. if they don't. Yep. Um, and like we said, that 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 gap of recruits is is kind of typical, but now is when the recruits start committing. So if the mm-hmm. recruits don't start committing in the next couple of weeks, then you should really be starting to worry about this recruiting class. Yeah. Um, especially for WSU. Yep. So yeah. Um, one, one program that does not have any trouble recruiting right now is <laughs> WSU Cougars soccer. That is um, true. They had a, a bit of a mixed weekend. They shut out Cal Honestly, they, they lost 1-0 to Stanford, but they really, I, I think, all in all, not a terrible performance, not a bad performance. Not It wasn't a bad performance at all. Yeah, they, they, they kind of showed that they, it's disappointing that they didn't get that goal to get that draw out of it because they played up to the level of Stanford, which they have struggled to do in the past. Yep. And and. I think it's it's just almost one more piece of evidence that shows that they are really good this year. Yeah. Um their their defense in particular is just stellar and we showed the saw that against again against Cal. And, and so it's just I mean, it sucks that they lost. Sucks that they didn't get any sort of result out of it. But uh, what are you going to do? Like Stanford's a juggernaut. Um it's a bummer they got the one. You know, they 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 they, they deserved it, whatever. But I mean, I guess the one they got wasn't like <laughs> But they did It they wasn't like a it. wonder goal. It was just like, damn it, you know. Yeah, that they, they they deserved it because they were building to it, right? Like yeah, it was I, it was yes. you know, what we say in soccer, we say goals deserved when a team has like a stretch of good chances. Yes. You know, you have a, you have a you have a 15 minute stretch of just you're you're living in the you're living in the final thirty of the other team. You're you're getting some good chances at the goal, and, and so when you finally get one at the end of it, oh, that was a deserved goal. And so that's kind of what I meant. Obviously, yeah. uh, you knew yeah. you knew what I meant. I, was I knew what you meant. Yeah. I, you um, know, we really took the game to them for the first twenty or twenty five minutes, which was super cool. <clears throat> like I, you know, over the years we have gotten. 
you know, really largely gotten by on just, on just guts, to be honest. Um, you know, and, and teams like Stanford and UCLA have traditionally just been so talented and so deep that, you know, really any, any success we, we would have against them was, was a product of just really kind of being able to hang on and then maybe nick a goal, you know, somewhere. Um, that was not the case in this game. Like I said, we took the, we really took the game to him on the front foot for about 20, 25 minutes. Um, and then it flipped and that's, that's about when Stanford got their goal. Um, you know, it had been building just a little bit, you know, kind of a misplayed, uh, you know, ball into the box. The, the keeper, you know, the keeper's punch didn't, didn't quite clear it as far as, you know, she would have liked. And then she's out of position for, you know, for a rebound. So, uh, which is, is super frustrating because you're like, ah, you know, it's, it's not like it was a clean shot. It's not like it was, um, you know, that, a nice piece of skill, right. That puts the ball in. You just, you're kind of, you know, it's, it, it was very, very kind of ugly goal, but you know, I'd say overall in the game, um, Stanford had maybe the better of the chances. Like if, like if there had been XG or something like that, you know, it's XG is probably something like, you know, Stanford 1.3 and WSU, you know, 1.1 or, 1.0 or something like, like it would have been like, it would have been close. Um, you know, so I, I'm highly encouraged by that. I mean, we were not overwhelmed athletically, which is typically what happens in these games. Um, you know, we did not generate as many good chances as I would have hoped. Um, you know, we really tried to play through the middle of the entire game. Uh, very few crosses. Uh, obviously that was a strategy, you know, I don't know if that was a good or a bad strategy, but I do know that, you know, we, we had a very difficult time playing through the middle of Stanford's defense. Their back line's very fast. They have speed everywhere. Um, they had a little forward who was also like super fast. Um, so they got speed everywhere. It was just very difficult for us. You know, we typically will get behind on a ball or two and we just, I, I don't think there was one ball where we got behind their back line. Um, so yeah, frustrating. Yeah, I, I do I, think if we played it again, that we'd have a different plan of attack. I, I think it. Um, I think it might. I, I'm not saying necessarily it would turn out differently, but um, I think with a little different strategy, we can make make some more inroads than we did in that game. I think you, yeah, and I think you often see the team that is uh, kind of more dangerous and more maybe the the athletically superior team. They'll be more apt to do the the heavy crosses and 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 all. Like I think, for example, like like buyer and they're they're just they're all about crossing the ball right like this constantly sure because i i think if, if you're the if you're the on the other side if you're doing a cross that is serious danger for a counter it, you True. know if, if that cross gets headed out you suddenly have you're 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 thin in the back end and and in your and if they have superior forwards who have speed and they have a midfielder that can deliver a ball or, or a back end that can deliver that ball, you might be in trouble of giving up a quick goal. Right. And so I think, I think you see that happens a lot in these matchups, but like you said, maybe they didn't need to approach it that way just to give themselves a chance to, to get their own chances, but you know, yeah. so, but they came back, they beat a team that they should have beat and they, and they beat them soundly. Uh, once again, another shutout, the 10th shutout, uh, they have, they would, or whether they had a total of four goals, the entire season they've allowed, like it's nuts. Like this defense is nuts and it'll carry them through. They still, they're still in contention for a, a conference title. They're still in contention for the NCAA tournament. So 
They just got to keep racking up results. That's the biggest bummer is they couldn't at least get that draw, get one more goal to get that draw against Stanford, yep. uh, just to get a result out of it. Um, but they'll have plenty of opportunities to get big wins. Um, still just, uh, still, I don't know, man, this is one of the best. It feels like one of the best teams that they've had. They just, they just have, they didn't have a great yeah. non-conference. Uh, they just didn't have the opponents in non-conference to show it off that, that they typically do. But I think throughout the Pac-12 season, they'll show it off and, yep. and we'll come to the end of the season thinking like, this is a, this is one of the most sound teams we've had. Yeah. They're just so, so deep. We've talked about that before. Yeah. I mean, they're just they're just so deep, and they can send different people at you. I know Enzi Broussard left the game with an injury against Cal. Um, hopefully that's yeah. nothing serious. Yeah. Um, but to me, that's the big difference between this team and, and the other teams that they've had that have been good. Um, man, this team just sends, you know, waves of, waves of people at you um, in, in a way that WSU just has typically not uh, been able to do so uh the big the big 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 weekend is weekend after next so this weekend they go to arizona state uh which is a team they should beat even on the road yeah, and, they, and the Cougs have played well on the road so um yeah they've they've they are uh they've they've pulled off arizona state has gotten one point a grand total of one point just one draw um from their first five conference games so that's a team we should beat and then the following week uh, week of the BYU game. So anybody who can get there early, uh, Thursday night, we play USC. USC currently sits in first place and is ranked 2019, something like that. Um, so play them on Thursday and then BYU Saturday and then Sunday night at five o'clock UCLA, uh, number three, UCLA coming to town. Um, so those are two really, really huge, huge, huge games. Um, should be very exciting and very fun. And, yeah, honestly, if you want to make it a long weekend in Pullman, Thursday night, uh, football game on Saturday, uh, Sunday, 2 o'clock, women's exhibition game, Sunday night. Basketball, women's basketball exhibition. Women's basketball exhibition, sorry. Yep. And then uh, and then Sunday night, the uh, soccer team uh, playing their biggest game of the year, really. And so, yep. uh, so, yeah, Jeff was trying to talk me into that, but... Um, <laughs> It's like I, I said, I thought family, you were hardcore, Jeff. Craig. I have a family, Jeff. <laughs> but I'm excited. Yeah. Also, okay, on fine. Friday Friday night in Pullman, uh, this Friday, the uh, our, essentially our Midnight Madness thing, whatever you call it, whatever they're calling it, Zoo Mania or something. Zoo Mania. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm excited yeah. for that. I'm excited for that um, for you. I might be going by myself. I'm taking the kids to the, to the football game, but... I don't know how how excited uh, uh, their mom will be for having the kids in that that uh, <laughs> tightly packed bowler gym. So I yeah. might just be going my way, you know. Yeah. Can't vaccine four year olds yet. Can't vaccine four year olds yet. Not yet. Um, but uh, I I I I I talked her into the football game is outdoors, vaccines or negative tests required, all this stuff. Like it'll be okay. They'll be okay. Um, we'll be safe. Uh, but yeah, so um, volleyball had a great weekend. Just obliterated the Arizona schools. Not a single set lost. Yeah. Apparently, also only the eighth time they've ever won in Tucson, which I didn't know. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. So very cool. Only the second time they've won in straight sets there as well. 
Uh, yep. so, uh, awesome. Uh, I don't, I didn't Super watch awesome. either. I didn't, I didn't get to catch either of the, I got, I mean, I think, I think I caught a few points here or there, but like, I didn't get to watch them, uh, intensely Sunday. I was, uh, hung over and <laughs> Thursday, I, I don't know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, it's kind of funny. They've, they've kind of just. And through this streak they've had, they've run through almost everyone, and it's only those like tough teams they've had tough matches. They've that's when they've lost sets. But uh, when they play a team that they are superior, they destroy them, and they they leave 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 no no uh, no question about it. So, um, yeah, it was uh, Burdett Greeny that tweeted that it was only their eighth win and against Arizona. Is of course uh, Jen Greeny's husband and assistant coach. So yep, yeah. Yeah. Great weekend for them, man. I, I, I have not caught very many volleyball games this year. I've like, I've only got so much time in my, <laughs> so much time in my life. Uh, so I, I've, I've sort of prioritized watching the soccer team, but no um, one can be like Jamie Vinnick and watch. I know every sport. Yeah. Well, we're not time. all 23 well, so that's years his job old, 24 now. years old and living in Pullman again. So I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, if I ever win the lottery or if, or if my wife wins the lottery, I mean, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, have my own Cougar website, and all I'm going to do is write about Cougar sports all day, and I'm just going to watch them all. I'm going to move. You're going to buy. And, you're you're going to buy a former football coach's house and live in yeah, Pullman. And, totally, 100 percent, exactly what I would do. Move to Pullman, go to all the games, write about all the stuff. That's all I would do all day, um, and it would kick ass, frankly. So, well, I hope that happens for you, man. Yeah, me too. That sounds great. I would love that. I assume you're playing the lottery, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, come on. It's so, definitely not going to happen. You know, it, you know it's, I don't know, man. I believe in miracles. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> find, find a winning ticket on the ground. <laughs> Hell yeah. Or maybe I'll just like go to, I don't know, go to Emerald Downs or whatever and just start picking up betting slips and, you know, you never know. Checking, checking all yeah, the, the betting the slips. The saddest person in the world staring at the parking lot at a, at a horse track looking yep. at betting slips looking at betting slips hoping, hoping for the winner. a couple of bucks this is jeff's <laughs> retirement plan everybody <laughs> i am a teacher so <laughs> hey teachers yeah. used to have really good retirement plans yeah not anymore dude not yeah anymore. they, <laughs> they, they did they, awesome. they realized yeah they realized how bad they screwed that up and uh yeah yeah it's fine. It's yeah. it's still going to be good. Well, Jeff, you should have been born twenty years earlier, yes. you idiot. That is that is true. That is true. I blame my parents for not being old enough. Yeah. <laughs> my parents were fault. definitely would have. My parents had me when they were twenty three and twenty four. So yeah, uh, there wasn't a lot more wiggle room for them. Yeah, same with my parents. Um, I, think, I think my parents were like twenty one or twenty two. So yeah, even less. Yeah, and then uh, you and I, we, we learned from that. We had our kids much later, much later yes. in life. Which sometimes you regret that when you're true. picking up the kid. You're like, oh, my back, like my knees and my back hurt right now. <laughs> I bet if I was 25, my knees yeah. and my back would not hurt. Like, well, and I'm sure when you, so you uh, you had B play in soccer, I'm sure you had the same experience I did, which was you were older than most of the other parents. Uh yeah, I think so. Um, I a lot of I think my generation has definitely been one of 
having kids later, probably more so than yours. Yeah. I wonder if some um, of that is Tacoma too. Cause like out here, like when I went to, I mean, I'm not that much older than you, but like, I was like, you know, I go to games and I'm like, you know, five to 10 years older than most of the parents. Like, you know, okay, well, whatever. Now they kind of seemed, I don't know. They, they probably seemed roughly our age. I don't, it's a lot of our friends. I, we do have, you know, two, you know, a couple of our best friends that, that are married. They they have, they had their kids in their mid to late twenties. Uh, and so they're the weird ones, honestly, like all of their friends don't have kids, like didn't have kids until like they were, you know, until like we had kids. So, you know, so there was, uh, we, you know, they were the weird ones for a while and now we all have kids and and we all, you know, it's a lot harder to see each other. We're not, they can't just be like, Oh, you guys want to hang out? We'll be like, yeah, let's do it. We'll be like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Let's make a plan. Yeah. Yeah. In three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks yeah, from now. Let's do it. <laughs> three weeks from now. We'll get. Well, that's how I mean, that's how we made plans at, when we were uh, when we were out in Pullman for your engagement. It was like, yeah, y'all should come over. That'd be awesome. What do you guys think? Three weeks from now? <laughs> I'll smoke some ribs. Come on over. We'll swim in the pool. Oh, three, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I gave you like I gave you guys like almost two months for the actual engagement. Yes. Like yes. going out there. Yep. But yeah, just even just to go to your house, which is yeah. far less of an endeavor than everybody was taking um, out their phones and like looking, okay, what weekend do we have open in August? Well, and then, and then of course we're all like, oh, we should do this again. We should do this again. Like before. Yeah, yeah. And, and then all of us slowly realized, no, no, that's not no, going to happen. Not happening. Like, not going to happen. See you next summer. Not before. We, it was already mid-August. We're not getting oh, yeah. another one of these in nope. before the weather turns. It's not happening. No. Nope. And then, well, I mean, you're dealing with, so Sarah and I are both teachers and Marnie's a teacher and it was just like, and then you got, you know, Cougar football to travel to. And it was just like, nah, nope, 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 nope. Yeah, we I did got, get some you know, nice I weather can't. in September, but sorry guys, it just wasn't my hands happening. are tied. I have to drive to Pullman and, and like be an <laughs> idiot for two days. Like if, three weekends in a row. Uh, yeah. Um, but I will have Marnie and Corey. We'll, they'll, we'll be with them in Pullman this weekend. And, oh, that's going to be awesome. And we'll, we'll have a good time with all the kiddos. We'll be there. Um, it's funny. I, I got, we, so I, I sold my tickets so I could sit over with them. And so we bought all a group of tickets together. And then I got a buddy who's giving me a couple of club tickets. So I'm just like, don't tell WSU. But uh, I was thinking, we're just going to rotate. We're, we're going to rotate, go up to the club, have a beer, come down, (laughs) go up to the club, have a beer. You know, every, everyone will get the yeah. Everyone will get be able to go up and get some beers during the game. I'm not going to bogart that. That sounds um, like a good deal. Because we got a we got another couple that'll be with us, so we have a nice big group, you know, with all the. So I, I, I that was a big ticket order for me. So I got for it was, to, I bought all those for the Stanford game because I you know they want I did it right away because it was family weekend. You know the yeah. tickets get snapped up pretty oh, quickly, yeah. and so so Marty and Corey, two more friends. That's four. Us two six. Plus, they have Marty and Corey have two kids, and we have two kids. So I bought ten tickets, and apparently you can do that. You can buy ten, um, ten tickets uh, all all in a row, and uh, under the hood. But it looks like we won't need that, which will be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, now we'll have uh, also two club tickets to rotate out, um, which I'm sure is allowed. Don't tell anybody; it's fine. Um, I don't think anybody's going to make a stink. Your secret is safe with me. 
and well, it used to be five hundred now. Now, now the tickets are just on the. Uh, now the tickets are just on your phone, which actually kind of makes it harder because before you we could have just you know they had those like yeah just uh, passed around the, the plastic, the, the, the plastic the plastic uh, thing around your neck. It'd just be like, here you go, you go up now. Now now I'll have to figure some out with screenshots or something with the phone. Yeah. Uh, so that's how we'll have to do it. Um, so yeah, man. Uh, this is more appropriately length podcast than last week, and it was only like an hour long. Jeez, what the hell was that? No, what are we doing? Well, this is because we know people. Are, we know people are driving to Pullman this weekend, and we know they're going to wait until they drive to Pullman to put the podcast on. So we just wanted to make sure we gave you an extra little half hour to to have, so you, you could just get a little bit half hour. Plus, you'll have our our half hour preview on Friday. So you'll have a nice full two hours of listening to our dumb voices. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. And if you do that, please, if you haven't give us five stars, I I haven't asked this in a long time, rate us five stars and give us a review, you know, a nice little review. Tell, tell us how you like our dumb voices. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, give us five star review podcast. Yep. So, we like that. And people need to find it. You know, we're important. Yeah. Uh, we we have we have we have big views on things, and all that. <laughs> and uh, my yeah. sister has floated doing a weekly diehard Cougs segment, which I, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, could be pretty fun. It's tempting. Um, it's tempting for sure. Yeah. It might be a Patreon. Well, we'll start a Patreon and we'll have a oh. Die Hard Coogs extra bonus episodes. Die that Hard Coogs episode. That might be it. That might be the winner right there. Got to include like my that. sister on that because uh, she's pretty funny. Yeah. She's funnier than me. Um, <laughs> uh, but which is, you know, that being funnier than me doesn't mean you're funny, but it, it does mean, but she is funny. Um, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and say follow me on Twitter at the Craig Powers and follow me on Instagram at Craig W Powers. I know that I, I've been saying that every week because every week I get like a couple follows out of it. So follow oh, me on Instagram. Uh, that's my lowest follower count, but, but also one of my favorite things to do because I have the low follower count. Um, and then uh, follow Jeff at Pod VS Everyone. Yeah, for, for those the, tweets, tweets that get that engagement, the hot Borussia Dortmund takes on Saturday. Mornings. Oh man, follow follow both of us for the nine a.m. like six to nine a.m. Saturday morning German football tweets. Yeah, and then follow it up on Sunday morning for some <laughs> EPL tweets. Yeah, and then whenever the hell the Sounders are playing. Yeah, some Saturday Sounders night, tweets. Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, whatever it is. And, yeah. and, you know, you'll get some OL rain tweets for me. Man, all the good stuff that you are looking soccer. for as a Coug fan. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was a great sell. I, I mean, we're just getting followers by yeah. the second now. Yeah. Um, I Go ahead and send us questions and comments at podcastvseveryone at gmail.com if you don't want to do it publicly on Twitter or whatever. Um, and, yeah, all that. Rate us five stars. Do all that. Yep. Go Cougs, Jeff. Go Cougs, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And uh, get fucking vaccinated.
even if it's too late and you might lose your job. 